Welcome to the Daily Creed, where we help you break your limited beliefs that are holding you back from being a personal and professional success when you master the five character traits of commitment, resilience, excellence, execution, and discipline. You will have the power to dominate your industry and live the life you desire. And now, helping you to grow in every aspect of your life, your host, J.R. Spear. R. Spear. R. Spear. Welcome, everyone, to another episode on our Daily Creep Podcast Show. And today, I have a special guest. Her name is Jeannie Anderson, and she is a life and business coach who works with people pleasing small business owners specializing in interior designers. Jeannie's background includes a decade of experience in corporate entrepreneurship as she ran a recruiting business inside a Fortune 200 finance firm, recruiting independent contractors to the company. And in her role, she directly managed a team of six, indirectly managed a team of 30, and onboarded, trained, and coached these independent contractors to produce revenue and meet their goals. While she's a wealth of knowledge in both managing a team and business habits, she deeply believes the key to confidently managing your business involves making unapologetic decisions and having both efficient and effective client onboarding processes. In her business, she focuses on coaching people, pleasing interior designers to set boundaries, build confidence in their rates, and implement a seamless client onboarding process so they can get time back, make more money, and run their businesses unapologetically. And I am really excited about having her on here because when I met her for the first time a couple of weeks ago and we had a conversation, she said something that sparked my interest about boundaries. And this is something that I know that I struggle with for, for a long time and a lot of other people do as well. So this is my first time hearing this. I'm excited about hearing what she has to offer, what she says, and what we can all learn and grow from. So Welcome. Thank you so much for being on our show. And uh, I'm excited about having you. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Very cool. Well, to start out, I always like to ask our uh, interviewers of where they got started from. So before you start doing what you're doing, give us a backstory. Let us know where you were at before you started doing what you're doing today. Yeah, absolutely. So what a question. My backstory. It's funny because I feel like when I think about my story of how I got here, it actually starts junior year of high school. And that is because of just a little bit um, of information. So I have an older brother. He's two years older than me. He is the smartest person I know and also a very laid back person. So he was kind of, I want to say my role model, but more just like my reference point. And he was the kind of person who could show up to any class without any studying and he could ace a test, but he would not turn in a homework assignment. <laughs> and I mean, that was my freight, that was my reference point. So I just was never like, I just never had this uh, energy or pressure to perform that well during my education, I'd say. Yeah. So, anyways, long story short, junior year of high school, this was the first semester, and they paired us up and they put us into small groups. And they were going to talk about colleges. And I remember being put in this small group and looking around at the people that I was put in this group with thinking, what? I don't associate myself with these people. But the truth was on paper, I didn't have a great GPA. I didn't try very hard at all. And I am not my brother in the sense where I do have to try hard to get decent grades even yeah. I don't naturally, I'm like the worker. I'm not the person who's naturally 
gifted in history or geography or any of those things. So that was honestly my first wake up call of holy moly, this is what I'm going to get if I'm going to keep showing up the way I'm showing up. And I had a fire lit under me that was totally just on myself to succeed from then forward. So I turned my 2.6 GPA into about a 3.4 maybe throughout the rest of my high school career. I went to University of Iowa for college, which I was just so happy to get into, you know, get start getting into schools because that just was sure. not a part of what I was uh, looking at if I would have kept doing what I was doing. So I went to University of Iowa, realized right away it was not a culture fit. Keep in mind, I don't know how people make decisions and where they're supposed to be when they're 17 years old, 18 years old. I didn't know who I was at all. Everyone talked about how much fun Iowa was and how everyone who goes there loves it. And that's literally how I made that decision. And I got into other schools, but that's how I made that decision. So I go there and I realized right away, I was not meant to be there. And I was not really succeeding there either. And I knew I didn't have to be there. So transferred to DePaul University in Chicago and immediately started thriving the second I stepped foot on that campus. Um, I had four internships in public relations. I studied public relations, got four internships in a year and a half. And I actually realized I did not enjoy doing it. Prior to graduating, it was like a month prior to graduation when my last PR internship ended. And I thought, I don't want to do this at all. I didn't enjoy it. I wasn't really doing great in it. It's like, sure, on paper, it looked like I was, but I really had that moment where I thought, I really need to make a career change. And that is how I found that financial firm about a month later, who I ended up having a nine-year career with. And I thrived. I ran a recruiting business. I moved up. I was given a lot of opportunity at a very young age, made a lot of mistakes, but grew so much. And I I don't know, I really did well there. Meanwhile, go ahead. No, I was say, what, what, gonna... what, what about the financial stuff and doing the recruiting did you actually love the most? Oh my gosh. I don't feel like I could have had an opportunity that matched my skill set so well. That is what allowed me to thrive. My initial position there really was, uh, I mean, I was a coordinator, but I actually just, so you, <laughs> you guys are probably going to like this. So I was appointed a coordinator when I first started. And I said, just so you know, I don't plan to be a coordinator for the rest of my life. You know, they offered me the salary. It was a new position and it was a coordinator for the recruiting team. And I said, I will accept this salary now, but I plan very much to move up. So I am the kind of person that was from a 22 year old who had, didn't have tons of experience, but I just knew who I was and what I wanted. So sure enough, within six months, they put me on the recruiting team and gave me more money. And I could not have had a better fit for my skill set. I loved, I was passionate about the company. I loved being in front of people. I love public speaking. And I was a campus recruiter. So I went from one college campus to another, talking about the company and the opportunities and being able to genuinely help these students too when they were looking for an opportunity. I was interviewing these candidates. I was a lot, a big part of the decision maker on whether or not we accept them into our program. I just loved it. So I ended up having just such a phenomenal career there. But the day that I started, 
the day that I started as campus recruiter, I looked at it as this is my business. And that is what I also believe allowed me to thrive because I'd be sitting next to other recruiters and meetings who looked at it as a job. And I thought, no, 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 no. A big part of it, I think, is because we were paid not only on salary, but on bonuses. And I'm very money motivated. So I thought, okay, well, if that's how I'm going to be making money, you better believe I'm going to take this very seriously. So the company adored me because I was all about it. I loved the company. I loved my role. I was so passionate about making it the best college program possible. And they just gave me more and more opportunity. So, yes. Yeah, no, that that's that's really cool. So I, I want to go back to like the the Iowa school. Like, what what mm-hmm. made you think about like what? Why did you feel like that you didn't fit in and it wasn't part of like the culture and community that you wanted to be a part of? You know, I wasn't a partier, and that's really where. And I can't, you know, I don't want to generalize because I'm sure there were plenty of students there who were like me, but in terms of who I knew and who I was becoming friends with and my, you know, just my circle, I just, I tried it out and I just wasn't myself. I wasn't happy. I didn't love waking up at 5 a.m. to pregame for the football games and then not even like make the football game. Like that's just, it wasn't for me. And that's all that there really was to it. And so, oh, this is a big part of the story. So it was 2008 as well. And our economy is, you know, going under and there's so much uh, scarcity and all and fear tactics happening. And I started the first time I ever had anxiety was that time. And I being my precocious self started contacting companies to say, are you looking for internships? Are you looking for for interns? I'd love to intern for you because I knew I needed experience if I was going to land a job upon graduation. And all of these companies were like, no, it's fall. Like, why would I? No, we're not hiring interns till summer. I thought summer, I don't want to be in Iowa City in the summer. I want to be in Chicago. So it just, it became so obvious that like something, what am I doing here? I don't even want to network here. Uh, And I just knew I was not meant to be there. Yeah. I I have a lot of similarities to you. It's like, I never got into like school pride or that motivation in a way where, you know, people wanted to go to the football games or whatever like that. I just never got into it. And granted, even in the military, you know, when some of the Marines and stuff were wanting to go do something, I'm like, yeah, it's really not my my cup of tea for wanting to do it. So I totally can relate to that. And there's a lot to be said with it because, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like you were very much a go-getter even at that, that, at that time where a lot of people, they just didn't care about their future, where they were going, what they're doing. They're just wanting to live that college experience, which is nothing wrong with that, but nothing wrong with that. In that sense, like people like you or, or, I mean, I'll put me in that category as well. It's like, I want to hang around Mm -hmm. people that want to make something for themselves that are better than me that I can learn from and, and grow from. So that's kind of cool that you experience that even from a young age and and just kind of go on. And, and I mentioned that because people listening and here, it's like, if you want to excel and get better, you you are influenced by the people that you are surrounding yourself with in the environment that you're absolutely. So why not make it better? So I definitely It's such a challenge too, because when you make those decisions for yourself, you're leaving certain people who, so I had an apartment with four other girls, like four other 
the friends who I had to individually call to say, I'm not going to be returning here next semester. Mm. And some of them took that very personally. And I think what's fascinating about that, as I reflect upon that, I was, you know, however long ago, 10 years ago, but to reflect upon that is the same thing happened when I launched my business and I had some friends who just didn't understand it and who thought that I changed. And you just have like, you know, that alone is its own thing, but you just have to make decisions for yourself and not feel the weight of other people's emotions or their challenges coming to terms with you changing. So I, and just to elaborate on what you said, I went to DePaul and I joined one club. It was the Public Relations Student Society of America. And I, it felt like home. Like the girls that I associated myself with were people that were really inspiring for me. I got together. I like reached out to one meeting and one girl was very impressive, was leading the meeting. And I reached out to her and I said, can we please go to coffee? Like, can I please could take you to coffee? And we go to coffee and she, and I said, I really just want to learn about how you've landed two internships already. And I didn't even have a resume put together. And I, she had this beautiful resume. And I'm like, and you are my age. Like she just carried herself. Like she was five years older than me. Mm. And it was just a moment where I'm like, oh, this is, this is who I want to learn from. This is who I want to be. This is who I want to surround myself with. And all of that allowed me to thrive. I'm a creature of my environment though. I am somebody who I am a direct product of my environment which is why I need natural light, which is why I need certain peace and quiet. It's, I just know what I need now to, to succeed and thrive. But you only learn that from, you know, being in a lot of environments and realizing where you just don't feel like yourself. Yeah, I love that. So kind of moving on, I mean, I love the fact that you come from a lot of experience and even from a young age, just kind of saying that, realizing that you were different and that you wanted to make something better for yourself. And then you changed and pivoted to the environment that actually worked well with you and just the energy and the people and just knowing that, hey, I want to be better until I find what I want and not just settling for mediocre or okay. So kind of moving on to where you're at today, tell us a little bit about what you're currently doing and how you're helping other entrepreneurs in the world. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a life and business coach for people-pleasing interior designers. And I am slightly obsessed with it. It has been such a blessing to be introduced to this industry, which I believe is significantly underserved. Um, And to be able to leverage, I feel like two really strong parts of me. One is my business background. And then the other part is my absolute passion for life coaching. I feel like who I am in my core is a life coach. And I also think like a business coach and I have business experience, but I am a believer that anybody can do anything that they desire and that we just have to get out of our own ways. I've experienced that in my own life. I've experienced it in other people's lives. And to be able to take both of those passions of mine and marry them into helping this one industry has been very fun for me. So why the interior design industry? Yeah, great question. So I launched my business. I'm actually going to go back to my story a little bit. So I was with this company for nine years and realized it was time. I was ready to make, to get uncomfortable again. I was actually so uncomfortable being comfortable. I couldn't take it anymore. 
So I hired a coach to help me work through my thoughts and feelings about who I knew I was and wanted to be and to make courageous leaps. And the first step to do so for me at that time was to just get a new job. I just had such deep roots at that one company that I just needed a clean slate so I could almost think clean again. So sure enough, I got a new job, an awesome opportunity in recruiting for a tech company. And my first day with them was the day COVID was declared a national pandemic. And three weeks later, I lost that job. I was laid off. And I swear, JR, I thought in that moment, as they were letting me go, I thought, universe, you are doing me a favor. I am not meant to work for somebody else again. And and I just took that and I ran with it. And I decided to start a coaching business. I had, I did not have a plan. I had not been, it's like deep down, I knew I wanted to do this long-term, but I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I don't think anybody knows what they're doing <laughs> until they launch and they're like, wait a second, what? And so for you know, a couple of years, I was, I'm really reaching my two year mark, but I was figuring things out. I was coaching, I was coaching, you know, women to make more money in their careers and ask for more money in their careers. I was coaching women to do what I did, leave their job that they're so, you know, um, uncomfortably comfortable at to take, to make courageous leaps and, and really rewrite their stories. I was doing all of that. And it just really took me to a place where I was looking to really make an impact in one area. My best friend is an interior designer. She saw the way I was running my business, which makes me laugh because I still was like, I didn't, I don't know what I'm doing. And she said, you have business habits that I do not have. And I've been running my business for seven years. You need to talk to the design industry. Just start. She said, I know I'm not alone. Pick up the phone and start calling on interior designers and ask them, you know, if you can ask them some questions about their businesses. And that's exactly what I did. I did a lot of cold DMs saying, would you mind if I hop on a call and doing market research on this industry? And I'll, you know, maybe 20% actually said yes, but I got on the phone with at least 20 to 30 designers initially who a couple of them had taken courses and they were like, thank God I did because I didn't know what I was doing and my business was a mess. But the rest of them were really busy, busy and did not know how to handle this business. And they were underwater with different elements of their business and felt like there were lots of client demands that they didn't know how to meet necessarily. And that's what really brought me to to design and knowing that I was excited to help them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that that's really cool, and I love how you kind of got in there, found a niche in somewhere that you someone else saw a skill set in you that you didn't probably know that you had, and it was like, oh man, you know that's a that's a great market for there. Yes. So yeah, which is awesome, and that's what a coach does when we try to see the best in other people. Totally. To bring them, so you know, I actually want to mention something that you just said about how she saw something in me that I didn't know I had. That is the truth. I think for like 99% of us, I think there are certain people who do know what they have, but I think for the vast majority, we sell ourselves so short and I'm included in that. I really, it's not like I was like, Oh, great. This is you know, I'm going to be this coach to interior designers. I can't even pick out a pillow. I'm not a designer. I had a lot of drama with, am I the person who's meant to coach this industry? 
And I got coached on that because the answer was yes. Like why I had one coach ask me, why are you the most perfect person to help this industry? And that was the easiest an- like question to answer because I have this background, because I've got connect- connections to them and they trust me now because I've built enough of a referral source almost. I've built enough credibility among the industry that I've been bringing on new clients who now know that I might not know design, but I know how to help their business. I know how to get make them more money and I know how to give them hours back and manage their client processes. But I did not see... I assumed everybody knew what I knew. And I struggled in the first, you know, probably year of business ownership, trying to make up problems that didn't exist to sell this, you know, to sell something, to start a program. And if I'm not making sense, that makes sense because it didn't make any sense. But it's because I was solving problems that didn't exist and it took somebody coming to me to say, you really should talk to us and hear about what our problems are because you know how to solve them and you don't know that you know how to solve them. And I think if everybody realized what they have inside of them, man, we'd have a lot more business owners. Oh yeah, that's powerful. Which brings me to the next uh, piece that really uh, piques my interest that I want you to kind of hit on is when we were talking before, you, we we mentioned about habits, which is what you talked about before, but also boundaries. Yeah. What, why, and, and I don't think this is just uh, an issue for interior designers. I think this is an issue for entrepreneurs and and business owners as a whole. So why, or not, not necessarily why, but walk us through like your take on boundaries. Why is it important? And then how can how can someone kind of take the next step in setting boundaries and the benefits that can help them within their business. Absolutely. It's funny because I actually don't love the word boundaries. I feel like it just has a connotation that's different than what I wish it had. Yeah. But to me, boundary setting is just making decisions that allow you to be your best self in business, in life. The when we get in trouble and we get resentful with people and we get really stressed and overwhelmed and feel a lot of pressure on ourselves. It's usually because we have not made a decision on something, communicated it effectively, believed in that decision and followed through on it. And that is knowing that that is the source of a lot of frustration, again, both personally and professionally. Hmm. I really believe that that is also the answers to a lot of problems that come up in business and in life. So that's my take and just kind of in general on boundaries. Um, I can elaborate a little bit more on the, in, on, you know, interior designers and on small business owners and what they experience, but that's really my take, my general take on the importance of boundaries. Yeah. So how does someone like, where should they start when it comes to, you know, setting boundaries, yeah. but more importantly, not necessarily where they start. How do we recognize when we have an issue with it? Yeah. You always start with the pain points. If you are feeling frustrated at someone or about something, you start there and you observe it and you say, so what do I need to change in order to allow myself to feel really good in this area of my business? So for example, a really easy one is my clients get very frustrated when they're 
clients want to meet uh, outside of normal business hours. So let's just say like at 8 p.m. on a Tuesday, because that's when both you know, the significant others will be home. And so that's a great opportunity. Kids will be in bed. And so they're like, can we just meet them? That's a great time for me. And my clients get really frustrated that that is even suggested. When that's so not their, uh, the clients, the, my client's clients' fault for them suggesting it. It is up to my client to make a decision on when they want to work and how they want to work and communicate that effectively, get that agreement in advance So that when this new client says, hey, would you actually be able to meet at 8 p.m. on a Tuesday? My client can reply, actually, I do not take or actually I take my last work meeting at 4 p.m. Can you let me know any other day that would work for you between the hours of 9 a.m. and 4 p.m.? And to really just make it so neutral, remove all the emotion, remove all the frustration and look at it as an incredibly neutral thing that allows everybody to operate the best. It gets really frustrating for clients when, for their clients, when none of this was communicated and you have a designer who's frustrated with their clients for things that they didn't even communicate that they wish that they would just know. And that's not fair for anybody. That's not fair for anybody in life, in business. And that's really what I've noticed was a big pain point of my clients was this uh, this opportunity or however we want to pull it, put it, but this expectation to work whenever they wanted to work and to take on whatever client project is, you know, whatever is involved in it. And you just, you don't have to do that. You just have to make decisions in advance and communicate them effectively. Yeah. There's a couple key things in there that, that are really pinpoint. For one, it's the expectations and communication that should be done regardless of who you're working with, no matter what job is, you need to set those boundaries on there. But what would you say to someone? Because I, I, I totally agree with you when it comes to the boundaries on it, but there are a lot of even my clients that that get on there and they struggle with it because they're like, well, this could be a missed opportunity. And what if they say no? What if they don't want to buy from him because they, you know, I'm being, you know, not being flexible to their time and their schedule and what needs to be done with them? How would you help them overcome that confidence in saying no and just miss that? you know, for the potential missed opportunities? Yeah, that is a fantastic question. And really, that's where you really trust your gut and your intuition. So what I would ask them is, is is this a client that you would want to take on no matter what? Like, if that answer is no, because if you were to take them on, and it wouldn't be around your timeline, your boundaries, your pay, you know, your, your fees, would you be incredibly frustrated working with them? If that answer is yes, then this is not the right client. And there is a part of this where you really do have to believe abundantly. You have to believe that there are a zillion of your ideal clients out there, that there are people out there that want, that will work with you on your schedule because they are so excited to work with you and they're impressed with the way that you, your designs, your style, the way that you handle your business. And that is what they are looking for. And if you are in deep belief of that, it's not going to be painful to say, hmm, this just doesn't seem like the right fit. I wish you the best of luck. Or this doesn't seem like the right fit. Here are a couple of designers that I would refer you to who may be a better fit for you. And it's really just looking at this as very abundantly as well as, again, neutrally that allows you to remove the emotion from, from these conversations. 
And I got really good at this because when you're a manager, a leader, when you're recruiting, I had to decline hundreds of candidates for positions. I had to fire multiple employees. And if I sat there every time feeling like, oh my gosh, there's not a better person out there. Oh my goodness, this person's life is going to be over if I don't if I don't hire them. I'm going to be in, you know, be debilitated just trying to communicate to them. I'm going to be a mess. So instead, I took the thought that this is going to be the best thing for them. There is an opportunity out there that is better for them. They're going to be so excited when they find it and they're just not the right fit for this position and that's okay. Yeah. So that's really the energy that I apply to different areas of my business as well and how I encourage my my clients to approach their business. But if you are not believing that there are amazing clients out there, if you're not believing that you're you know next I don't want to say paycheck, but like your next client, big client is around the corner, you are going to you're going to fall for these little, you know, clients and projects that are just not the right fit and they won't make you feel great. And you're going to be having a really hard time breaking out of that. Yeah. I, I went through this uh, last year where I was just dreading getting up doing what I was doing. I hated like the consulting business that I built and the community that I established, not even just from an employee or a client standpoint, from an employee standpoint. And I, I had like nine salespeople working for me and four of the coaches. And there was just one day I just woke up and I was like, I'm, I'm done with that because I just, if I was going to continue building what I wanted to build, I needed to be excited about what I was building. Totally. I fired 75 or 80% of my team and let go. Uh, I don't know, probably, you know, it, it equated to more than $15,000 in monthly recurring revenue for clients. And I was like, you know what? It's going to hurt me right then, but I'm going to be happier. And had a absolutely, and I was, and I still am. And I'm like, man, I love the idea that I'm excited about right. I wake up with and and get on the phone. But the second I start feeling like I don't want to get on the phone with this client, it's the second that I know that client needs to leave. Yes, and I and, and seriously trust your gut. Yeah, because I feel like so many times our guts, our guts do not lie, but our brains will lie for us. Our brain will say, "Oh no, 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 no! You got to, what do you think you're doing? You got to take this person on. You don't know when your next client is coming, and when you are in that scarcity, you are going to settle for anything." I love using, I think it's an Alexander Hamilton quote. It's if you don't stand for something, you fall for anything. And I love that because really it's the same thing in business. It's the same thing in life. It's the same thing in dating. Like all of this is just setting certain standards and believing that there is someone out there that is going to match that same energy, that same frequency at the same price point that you desire all of that is real, but you've got to be in full belief of it or you are going to fall for anything. Yeah, that's really powerful. I and mean, if you're not excited and it's not aligned with your purpose of what you want to build and the community, the culture, the vision and everything like that, it, it needs to go. So a lot of meat and potatoes and, and golden nuggets that you just given right there, which I absolutely love. So um, if someone was going to like start today, they're hearing this, it's resonating with them. And they just like, I, I just don't know what I'm just frustrated. I just don't know where to get started, <laughs> but I believe in everything that she's saying, what should they, where should they start and what should they do now? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's up to them. If they, if they, if they could either make the decision of, okay, I want to start, I'm going to show up for my business 
And I also deeply believe anybody can do that and make decisions today and follow through on them. So I think some people have those kind of wake up calls where they're like, that's it. Just like you had, we were like, I'm getting rid of 80% of my staff, 80% of this business, and I'm going to start all over again and build something I'm excited about. So you have that option. Then you have the option of, but I am so, I know I will never do it because I am so afraid and have so many emotions behind these decisions. And that is when my clients come to me. And so for me, I have a program that is, it's funny because it's called Unapologetic Designer. And it helps these designers run their businesses unapologetically by making these decisions and having me assist them in making the decisions by coaching them through them, helping them communicate effectively and implement certain client processes that allow them to be unapologetic in the way that they do business. And that is relief from the small business owner. I have small business owners in there uh, who aren't designers, but it's for that people-pleasing small business owner that just knows that they want to start standing for something. And they really have a lot of emotions when they run their business. They feel guilt. They feel they just feel very emotional about the dollars that they ask for or declining undesirable business. And those are the ones that really are the perfect fit for this program. And so, yeah, that is under on my website, genieandreeson.com slash designer coaching. Another option is I'm very active on my Instagram. And my Instagram is just my name at genieandreeson underscore. And I post a lot of content on there that is for people pleasing small business owners. So anything on there, all the messages that I share, all the energy that I have about this specific topic, you will find a lot of resources on there. I go live every Tuesday and all on different topics that will help you run your business. But that is another option. Very cool. So to to kind of tie in, like I, the question that I ask every single person when they come on my show is like, what is their creed? And the reason why I ask this, because it, first off, it's the core values that I instill for myself, but also for our clients. And it's one of those things that I like to know, like, what is the one thing that you are most committed to that you're going to be resilient, even through the most difficult times, showing up every day, giving your best and having the mental and physical discipline to complete your mission. So what is your creed? That is an excellent question. The funny thing is if I were to write an autobiography, I would call it resilience as my middle name because my middle name is Anastasia. And in the Greek origins of that is anastasy, which is resurrection, which is resilience. And I really do believe that I am a very resilient human. And at the end of the day, for me, it's I just believe in the not yet seen. I do believe that anything is possible. I do believe that if you have a desire in your heart, that that is not in there to taunt you, that it is there because you are meant to fulfill it. And so I want to be the person that shows others that I can do the, I'm going to put in quotes, like impossible. And I feel like just making the decision to work for myself after being laid off was like the first step of doing so. And the second step is really being able to show how my business flourishes. So that allows me to be resilient at, and I never want to work for anybody else ever again. So <laughs> there's that part too, where if you have that in you, you're not going to let it happen. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same way. It's like, man, I never want to have be a W2 employee again. I mean, I'm a W2 employee of my own company, but I don't want to yeah. work for anyone. The funny thing is it's like, okay, 
part of me is like, maybe one day I'll change my mind to be like this, you know, I'm going to sell this or do this. And maybe I do want to work for somebody again, but right now I do not. And yeah. that is what I am focused on. There is something said about, you know, clock in and turn it off when you clock out for the day and not have that stress and worry and having paid vacations. and Oh, absolutely. There is like, something uh, very much said for that. I get the appeal of it. Yeah, that's I not- get the appeal of it. I just, I don't know. I don't like the idea of building somebody else's dream. So that's why I Thank say it, it might happen in the future if there is someone's dream that I'm so thrilled to work under or build with them. But I just, there really that deep, deep feeling inside my heart when I was working full time for that company, making a lot of money, doing amazingly well, knowing I could be there for another 10 years. It was a, what the heck are you doing? You are selling yourself short. And I just share that because everybody has that different feeling inside of them. Everyone does. I was so happy in that career for so many years. It was just the last year there. Something in me was like, this is not the end. Like, this is not where you're meant to be anymore. And that's okay. And you got to wait until you have those that feeling to then make those decisions and to get in alignment. But there's really nothing wrong with working for somebody else at all. I loved it. And I was so happy for so many years until something in me just said it, that it ran its course. I love it. Well, you got to earn your stripes and, and put in the reps to be able to get to where you're going and get the experience. So I love what you're doing. So very cool. Well, you already gave your contact information. I'm going to drop it down below the, this uh, episode so people can click on and get connected with you, your Instagram, your website, and all those other places when you do it. But if you had to give any last minute tips, is there anything else that you would like to leave with the audience? Don't settle. That really is it. Never settle. You don't need to. We live in a very abundant universe filled with all the things that you could ever imagine and ever desire. If there's any part of you in your heart or in your head that's is telling you something isn't right, you got to follow that. You don't need to settle. Don't do it. Love it. Well, there you go, guys. Set your boundaries. Don't settle and (laughs) make decisions that allow you to be your best self. And if you guys want to be able to check out and follow uh, Jeannie Anderson, you can, I'll drop the Instagram and all her other contact information below this episode. And if you like this episode, let's get the message out to as many people as possible by sharing, subscribing to our uh, Apple podcast and giving us a five-star rating. Until next time, simplify. Thank you for listening to the Daily Creed Podcast Show with J.R. Spear. If you want to get more leads and grow your business, head over to fitprofunnels.com to get your free gift today. That's fitprofunnels.com. And to connect with J.R. online, check him out on Facebook at jr.spear.3. Or feel free to join the Facebook group at Fit Pro Funnels. And you can also find them on Instagram at jr.spear.